in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, it is good to be back with all of you today after uh, being gone for a week. If you, if you didn't hear, uh, there were four of us, myself, uh, the Burners, and Kevin Witzke, who went down to El Paso, Texas, to serve at Isleta Lutheran Mission for a week. And I know that you're going to hear a lot more about it. We have a lot of uh, neat stories to share and to talk about some of the things that God is, is doing down there at the mission. We're going to set aside a time to show you some pictures and, and tell more of those stories. But today, I just wanted to share a little bit about one of the families that we worked with. Uh, throughout the week, we were split up into two different sites. We were working on two different homes with two different families. Uh, but one of the families that we worked with uh, was the Avalo family, uh, Lorena and Jesus Avalo. They were a wonderful family. Uh, they had, I believe, three children and four grandchildren, and uh, just a wonderful couple that we got to know a little bit throughout the week. But the thing about them was that by all outward appearances, looking out from the outside in, it seemed as though their lives were hopeless. And that was pretty evident right away from the very first conversations we had, even before we started working. Uh, the Avalo family, Jesus and Lorena, they lived in this neighborhood called Sparks, uh, which, which was poverty-ridden, and they were no exception uh, to that rule. They didn't have very much. They had health concerns. Uh, Jesus only had one eye after a, a tragic a childhood accident, uh, leaving him only able to, uh, to see out of one eye. Uh, Lorena had her own health concerns. It sounded like she had uh, many things going on, but she had hernias, which left her unable to walk easily. She moved around with crutches. It was part of the reason why we were there, to expand her home and, and make it easier for her to move about. And then to kind of top it all off, they had much of what they did have was taken from them, stolen by the church, actually by a pastor. They had gotten to know this man, a, a pastor in the area, uh, and, and I think they wanted to be able to trust him and to believe that he would help them. And, and, and he offered them great things. He offered, at, at the time, they were living in this old beat-up trailer. And he offered to take that trailer off of their hands and uh, to sell them a new one for a really good price. And as you can imagine, uh, this sounded great to them. And, and they thought they should be able to trust this man, this representative of God. And so the pastor came and took their old trailer away. They gave him the money for the new trailer, except the new trailer never came as he was well-connected in the community and as, as they uh, believed he was well-connected with some of the judges in the county, they didn't feel as though there was much for them to do, no way to, to fight back and, and get what they thought they deserved. And Their lives looked hopeless. Health concerns, poverty, their, their entire lives taken from them, their savings, their home, everything just gone, hopeless. Now maybe for us, our lives don't seem that bad. Maybe, maybe they do, or maybe our lives are just different. But I think for many of us, we, we have a sense of hopelessness in our lives, whether, whether it's hopelessness looking forward to the future in our country. Uh, maybe you're thinking, well, there doesn't seem like there's much to hope for. Or, or maybe it's a hopelessness that has come about after a death in your family. Someone you loved deeply is now gone, and you look at your life and you think, what hope do I have for the future? Or, or maybe it's a hopelessness that comes after a job loss and you look around and you think, how am I going to pay all these bills and this financial mess that I have found myself in? I think many of us have a sense of hopelessness. If only when we look inside and, and we see the sin and, and the things that we have thought and desired and done that are totally against God's will and the guilt and the shame that fills our minds, many of us know exactly what it's like to be hopeless. Mary and Martha, in our reading for today, they... They understood hopelessness. They got it. Their brother, Lazarus, was sick, and things weren't looking good, and it didn't seem to be a very hopeful situation. But they did have one glimmer of hope, and that was Jesus. 
Uh, maybe they had seen Jesus he- heal others. Maybe they had heard about some of his miracles. And if there was any hope for Lazarus and for a better tomorrow, it was going to be Jesus. The only problem was that Jesus didn't seem too concerned. <laughs> he wasn't exactly rushing off to go see, see his dear friend, his beloved friend, Lazarus. In fact, he just kind of hangs around for a couple days before going off down to Judea to see Lazarus. And by the time that Jesus does make it to Lazarus, Lazarus has been in the grave four days. It takes Jesus four whole days to make it to see his beloved friend. Four days. See, four days was just long enough in that day because there was this Jewish thought that a person's spirit kind of hovered over the body of those who had died for three days. Just kind of waiting to see what would happen, maybe in hope that something would change. But after four days, the spirit would have departed, the body would have decayed, and actually John tells us in our reading today that the body began to smell. The situation was over. It was hopeless. There was no chance for Lazarus. And now Mary and Martha looked at their lives and they were hopeless. And at this point in in, in the story, it's heartbreaking, to be sure. Confusing, maybe, even. Um, But what I appreciate about the story and the way it's told by John is how raw and real it is, right? We're not painted some sanitized version of the story. There's a dead body, and it's rotting, and it smells. And Jesus, the Savior of the universe, the creator of everything, is crying. We didn't read it today. That came just before our reading. But Jesus, your Savior, weeps at the death of his best friend. And Mary and Martha, I can only imagine, they're confused and and hurt. And at one time, Martha even kind of cries out, Lord! If you had only been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. What I like about this story is that I think all of us in some way can we re- relate, can't we? All of us have been in some uh, hopeless situation, and our only glimmer of hope was for Jesus to do something about it, and yet we look at our lives, and it, it doesn't look like Jesus has done much of anything. He hasn't, certainly hasn't acted in the, in the timing we would like him to, and, and many of us, I think, have prayed, Lord, if you had only been there, If you had only cured my husband from his disease, then he would still be here today and and I wouldn't feel so hopeless. Lord, if you had only given me the job that I prayed for, then I wouldn't be in this financial mess. Lord, if you had only held on to my children a little bit more tightly, then maybe they wouldn't have walked away. Lord, if only. See, in the midst of our hopelessness, sometimes it seems, it can feel like God doesn't care or like he's not there or like he can't do the things that he has promised that he can do. And yet, it's exactly at that moment in our story for today that that Jesus comes on the scene and quite simply and yet powerfully walks up to Lazarus' grave. And with only a couple words, he he simply says, Lazarus, come out. Just like that, Lazarus lives. And it is out of that death that Jesus brings life. Out of that hopeless and dark situation, Jesus shines his light and gives a reason to find hope. You see, today we're reminded that Jesus, our Savior, our powerful God, brings us a hope that is unlike any other. But maybe we need to give a little disclaimer. I think there should be kind of a warning on this story at the same time. Uh, because it would be easy to read this story and to think, oh, that's how Jesus works. We, we want something and he just gives it. He kind of tidies up our, our messy lives and it's like Jesus is the superhero uh, in a cartoon movie, in a cartoon TV show, swooping in at the 29th minute of a 30-minute episode to kind of just fix all the problems. Lazarus is dead, but now he lives. And, and I think you all know that's not how Jesus works, right? Uh, Jesus has never promised that he's just going to uh, do everything we want him to when we want him to and that our lives will be easy. Uh, 
but that's not what the story is about. And so I think we are reminded in our story today that, that we do have something to look forward to. As Jesus reminds us that, that though we die, yet will we live, that there is a chance for a better tomorrow, not in the short term, but into eternity, and that our hope isn't based on our present messy, darkened circumstances, but our hope is based on the finished and completed work of Jesus. And because Jesus has lived, and because he has died, and because he has rose again, so will you. See, we have hope, even in the midst of hopelessness. And our hope is Jesus. See, the Avalo family, Lorena and Jesus, had hope. Although it didn't look like it from the outside, although they were poor, although they had their own physical health issues, although they had so much taken from them by a church, by a pastor, by God's people, they had a reason hope. And their hope wasn't that uh, the Burners and Kevin and I were going to go down and fix their problem. (laughs) Certainly not so. Their hope wasn't that God would somehow magically replace everything that they had lost, that he would give them a mansion to live in instead of a broken trailer. Their hope wasn't that he would snap his fingers and they would magically be healed and Jesus would see again and Lorena would dance and skip and jump again. No, their, their hope isn't that they would be millionaires. No, their hope was greater. Their hope was eternal. Their hope was in Jesus and the Jesus who was with them in the midst of their hopeless mess, the Jesus who was waiting for them at the end of it all. And because Jesus was there in the present, because he was there waiting for them in the future, they had a sure and certain hope. And that changed things for them. In the present, it changed things for them. I I shared it with the group yesterday and, and I didn't spend as much time with Lorena and Jesus as some of the others did. But it amazed me how joyful she was. Uh, She was always smiling, at least when I saw her, which didn't make sense, right? Why would she be smiling when when she lived in this messy, poverty-ridden neighborhood with not much material goods, with so many health problems, with so so much taken from her, with trust betrayed? Why would she be so joyful? And, And the reason was the hope that she had in Jesus. The reason was that though she will die, yet will she live. The, the reason she was full of so much joy, the reason she had to hope was that one day Jesus will say to her and to her husband, to all of us here today, Lorena, Jesus, Peter, fill in your name here, come out, rise, come and, and live with me for all eternity. See, brothers and sisters, I don't know what hopeless situation you find yourself in. If it's cancer or, or financial troubles or broken relationships or broken trust or, or just the sin inside of you that leaves you feeling overwhelmed and guilty and, and hopeless. I don't know the particulars of your hopeless situation, but what I do know is the hope that Jesus promises to everyone who believes in him that though you die, yet will you live. In Jesus' name.